If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Britt Tally Daniel, MD, and I'm a neurologist and headache doctor. And today I'll be talking about a question are migraine and panic disorder related? Well, migraine is a genetically inherited neurobiological illness consisting of moderate to severe one sided throbbing headaches that come with sensitivity to light and noise and nausea and vomiting. Migraine is very disabling more frequently and severely occurs in women where it relates to estrogen and less often occurs in men. Panic disorder is one of the most frequently occurring anxiety disorders that causes sudden, frightful attacks of physical and anxious symptoms that come out of the blue for no reason and are usually the subject of considerable worry in person to have them. So the question, are migraine and panic disorder related? Yes, migraine and panic disorder are comorbid a term that means that these two conditions come together more commonly than chance. Migraine and migraine panic disorder are said to be 40% comorbid. Many patients have the simultaneous occurrence of a migraine with panic symptoms in the report to emergency room. This is not a rare problem and has been called panic migraine. Oftentimes at the emergency room, the headache portion of the patient's history is paid attention to more then the panic symptoms, and the patient is usually given a CAT scan, which with migraine should be normal, and then reassured that nothing is wrong. For cardiac symptoms, if they occur, such as a racing heart or chest pain, the patient is usually referred from the emergency room to see a cardiologist, and for the headache, to see a neurologist. Healthcare workers seeing such patients are strongly advised to review with the patient the 13 panic symptoms discussed below to make a diagnosis of panic attack. One attack of panic symptoms is called panic attack, but more attacks after that are referred to as panic disorder. Related questions. Nosology. Migraine. Galen, who lived in the year 131 to 2001 AD, came from Pergamon in Asia Minor, an early center of learning and civilization. As a descriptive and diagnostic term, he offered hemicrania, which means half of head, to describe one-sided sick headaches. 
Eventually, with time, the H-E part of hemicrania was deleted and the micrania part of the word was used. Later, Romans changed hemicrania into the Latin phrase hemicranium. The term later changed to hemigrania, which then became with successive translations and mistranslations, migrania, migrania spelled M-I-G-R-A-I-N-E-A, and then migrana, M-I-G-R-A-N-A, and then migram, M-I-G-R-A-M. And that's the term living, the savant and great cataloger of all things migraine, used in his famous text called On Migram, published in 1873. Later, the French changed the word to its current and most popular form, migraine, M-I-G-R-A-I-N-E. Before the publication of the International Classification of Headache Disorders, which first came out in 1988, the current accepted term migraine without aura was called common migraine, and migraine with aura was referred to as classical migraine. Many patients, even today, still believe that they do not have a typical aura visual symptom, such as bots or holes in vision, seeing half of things, or shimmery zigzag lines with headache that they do not have real migraine. Nosology of Panic Pan in ancient Greek religion and mythology was the god of the forest, of the wild, and of the shepherds. He was a god of fear and or lust. He paid, played a pipe flute and was a companion of nymphs. His name comes from Paean, P-A-E-N, meaning to pasture. He had the hindquarters, legs, and horns of a goat, which made him look satanic, or like a fawn, or satyr. He was thought to be the god of the fields, groves, and wooded glens, and because of this, became associated with fertility and the season of spring. He usually has a beastly appearance with his goat horns, large muscular body, chest, and upper arms, and his goat-like haunches, legs, and cloven feet. A cloven foot is a split-hard, bony hoof, like that of a horse or a goat, which has traditionally been associated with the foot of Satan. <clears throat> Pan was usually depicted lusting after women. The word panic stressed initially the intensity of a feeling of fear, similar to the reaction provoked according to the mythology by the intervention of the god of the forest, Pan. <clears throat> Currently, pan panic refers to the anxiety state a panic attack and panic disorder, symptoms characterized by what's called paroxysmal anxiety. In the 19th century, the English writer James Barre changed Pan into a harmless spirit called Peter Pan, who flew into Wendy's room and took her to see the Lost Boys in Never Never Land, which is located the first star to the left and straight on till morning. In the 1950s, this story was made into a cartoon movie by Disney Studios replete with songs and the evil Captain Hook striking at Peter with his hooked hand which had been bitten off by a crocodile. The fifth diagnostical manual of the American Psychiatry Association is the American Psychiatry Association Universal Authority for Psychiatric Diagnosis and it impacts treatment advice and insurance payment by healthcare providers. Panic disorder did not make it into the DSM until the third edition, published in 1980. Medical school graduates before 1970 were likely not talking anything about panic symptoms in psychiatry lectures or on rounds. Pathophysiology. Migraine 
is a complex neurovascular process occurring in the central nervous system whereby the ganglia, the fifth cranial nerve, the trigeminal nerve, and the cerebral arteries are activated and release three neurochemicals, neurokinin A, neurokinin substance A, and calcitonin gene-related peptide, which is abbreviated as CGRP. These neurochemicals inflame the trigeminal nerve, the arteries, and the pain center of the brain, which is called the thalamus. There's a thing called the migraine timing cycle. So stage one, the trigeminal nerve is activated. It's turned on by the migraine process, causing pain to come to the eye, forehead, sinus, back of neck, and jaw, usually on one side. Stage two, 20, 40 minutes later, the neurochemicals, neurokinin A, substance P, and uh, CGRP are released by the migraine process, ganglia, to inflame the trigeminal nerve, the arteries, and later the thalamus. Number three, at two hours, the arteries vasodilate and are inflamed. Blood pulsing through the dilated inflamed arteries cause, cause this pulsatile pounding headache. And stage four, past three hours, the thalamus, also known as the pain center of the brain, is turned on by the migraine process. Now, if I were to drop a brick on my foot, the tissue of my foot is damaged, the pain is carried by pain fibers in the foot to the leg, to the spinal cord, and up to the thalamus of the brain where pain is registered. Migraine is a chemical inflammatory condition affecting the fifth nerve of the arteries and the thalamus. Stage four here is also called central sensitization, and this is the worst and most painful part of a migraine. During central sensitization, touch may be perceived as painful, so the head is sensitive to touch or wear glasses or lie on one side of the head, and that is called allodynia, a sure clinical sign of central sensitization. Central sensitization is like sunburn. Normally, it doesn't hurt to touch my arm. If it gets sunburned, it hurts. And sunburn is like allodynia. Panic disorder activates sympathetic nervous system, which is part of the autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system controls functions of the body so that one does not have to think to produce the reaction. The system just kicks in automatically without any conscious effort. Common functions that the autonomic nervous system controls are pupillary dilatation, like in a dark room, and constriction in bright light. An emotional response, such as sadness, can cause the lacrimal glands in the lateral portions of each eye to secrete tears. Thinking about seeing and smelling food causes the salivary glands to secrete saliva. Imagine what it'd be like to eat a cracker, rather hard, dry substance without salivating. And also peristalsis, monitoring the blood pressure, the heart rate, sweating, urinating, or having a bowel movement. All the sexual organs are governed by the autonomic nervous system. It's sort of like driving a car through an automatic car wash. The motor's off, the car just, the driver just sits there, the car slowly moves through a series of hoses that wash and then rinse the car. Finally, a great warm fan blows all the water off, the driver's outside again with a clean car. The autonomic nervous system has two divisions, the sympathetic, which stimulates various bodily actions and the parasympathetic which inhibits them. Panic attacks turn on the fear circuit of the brain and the sympathetic nervous system which generates the so-called fight or flight response. Both panic attacks and anxiety turn on the brain's fight or flight mechanism. The, the patient may report an intense desire to flee from whenever the attack is occurring. Patients commonly arrive in the emergency room or other medical setting believing that the symptoms represent a heart attack a stroke, or some other catastrophic medical condition. 
the anatomy of the autonomic nervous system. Neurons are cell bodies of the autonomic nervous system are located in the brain or the spinal cord, which is in the central nervous system, while the second nerve cell is located in autonomic ganglia, which lie laterally on both sides of the body adjacent to the brain stem or spinal cord. The autonomic nervous system supplies the pupils, salivary and digestive glands, and also the stomach, intestine, liver, kidneys, bladder, genitals, lungs, heart, and skin. The function of the autonomic nervous system is to control blood pressure, heart and breathing rates, body temperature, digestion, metabolism, fluid and electrolyte balance, the production of body fluids such as saliva, sweat and tears, urination, defecation, and the sexual response. The two divisions sometimes have opposite effects on the same organ. The sympathetic division increases blood pressure while the parasympathetic system decreases it. The sympathetic nervous system hastens the pulse and contractibility of the heart. It dilates airways to facilitate breathing, restores, releases stored energy, and increases muscular strength. The sympathetic nervous system causes the palms to sweat, the pupils to dilate, and goosebumps as hair follicles stand straight up. The sympathetic nervous system also functions in body areas that are not as important in emergency, such as digestion and urination. The parasympathetic nervous system controls the body during ordinary normal times. It slows the heart rate, decreases blood pressure, stimulates digestion to process food and eliminate waste, and stores energy from food to restore and build up the body. So, the sympathetic nervous system increases heart rate and force of heart contraction, release of energy stored in the liver, basal metabolic rate, the speed at which energy is used for body functions, muscle strength, it widens the airway to make breathing easier, causes sweaty palms, causes relief of semen ejaculation. The parasympathetic nervous system stimulates the digestive tract to process food and eliminate waste, slows the heart rate, reduces blood pressure, controls erections. How symptoms of panic attack relate to, panic attack relate to the autonomic nervous system? Well, the symptoms here are palpitations, pounding heart rate or accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling and shaking, sensations of shortness of breath or smothering, feeling of choking, chest pain or discomfort, nausea or abdominal distress, feeling dizzy, unsteady, lightheaded or faint, chills or heat sensations, paresthesias, which means numbness or tingling sensations, usually face, arm and leg, a derealization, a feeling of unreality or depersonalization, like you're detached from oneself, fear of losing control or going crazy, and fear of dying. And the analysis of these symptoms is that palpitation, sweating, and trembling come from sympathetic nervous system activation. Shortness of breath and dizzy lightheadedness, chill, or heat sensation come from the hyperventilation and exchange of blood gases, which prevails during a panic attack. Choking and chest pain likely come from smooth muscle activation via, via the sympathetic nervous system. Nausea comes from vagal nerve activation causing gastric acid secretion, while derealization, fear of losing control, and fear of dying are pure psychiatric sensations, sensations without autonomic involvement. Well, what's the definition of migraine without R according to the International Classification of Headache Disorders? That's I-A-S-I-C-H-D-3. Well, recurrent headache disorders 
manifest as headaches lasting four to seven hours, 72 hours, that's migraine, four to 72 hours. Typical characteristics are the headache, are that it's one-sided, pulsing quality, moderate or severe intensity, aggravation by routine physical activity and association with nausea, and are photophobia and phonophobia. The actual diagnostic criteria are A, for diagnosis of migraine without aura, you gotta have five attacks which fulfill items B, C, D, which I'll discuss. B is the headache attacks last four to 72 hours, either treated or untreated. C, the headaches has at least two of the following four characteristics. Unilateral location, pulsating quality, moderate or severe pain intensity, aggravation by or causing avoidance of routine physical activity like walking or climbing stairs. And D, during the headache, at least one of the following, you have to have nausea and or vomiting or sensitivity to light and sound. And the headache is not better accounted for by another ICHD3 diagnosis. All right, the DSM-5 diagnostic criteria of headache disorder are patients experience unexpected attacks with an abrupt surge of intense fear or intense discomfort that reaches a peak within minutes and during which time four or more of the following symptoms occur. There are 13 symptoms, you gotta have four to make a diagnosis. Palpitations, pounding heart rate or accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling or shaking, sensations of shortness of breath or smothering, feelings of choking, chest pain or discomfort, nausea or abdominal distress, feeling dizzy, unsteady, lightheaded or faint, chills or heat sensations, paresthesias, numbness or tingling sensations, derealizations, feelings of unreality or depersonalization like feeling detached, fear of losing control, going crazy, or fear of dying. Then after a panic attack occurs, there may be persistent concern or worry about additional panic attacks or their consequences like losing control, having a heart attack, or going crazy. A significant maladaptive change in behavior related to these attacks occur. And the behavior is designed to avoid having panic attacks such as avoidance of exercise or unfamiliar situations. Panic attacks may become associated with a variety of situations which patients feel an attack is more likely to occur from which they would be unable to flee or get help quickly if an attack occurred or in which they might be embarrassed if others should notice that they're having an attack. In reality, a panic attack is often not apparent to an observer, which is why a patient can successfully disguise his condition from others. The development of agoraphobia, which is a fear of being in crowds or around other people, is common with panic disorder and is defined as fear of places or situations in which the patient feels trapped. Patients may not have thought through why they fear or avoid situations when they initially process I'm sorry, they initially present for treatment. As a result of this fear, they restrict travel or need a companion to enter phobic situations like going to see a new doctor or something like that. Next, panic disorder diagnostic features. A diagnosis of panic disorder requires recurrent, that is more than one, unexpected panic attacks. Unexpected means a panic attack for which there's no obvious cue or trigger at the time of the occurrence. That is, the attack appears to occur from out of the blue, such as when the individual is relaxing or emerging from sleep, which is called a nocturnal panic attack. In contrast, expected panic attacks are attacks for which there is an obvious cue or trigger, such as in a situation in which panic attacks typically occur.
Multiple attacks of different intensities may occur over several hours, which might feel as if one panic attack is rolling into the next, like waves. The sympathetic nervous system is activated during these panic symptoms. In the United States and Europe, approximately one half of individuals with panic disorder have both unexpected and expected panic attacks. This frequency and severity of attacks vary widely from moderately frequent attacks, such as one per week for months or more, frequent attacks such as one every day for a week or so. Attacks may come with four or more symptoms of sometimes less than four, and the symptoms with attacks may vary from one symptom to the next attack. Our worries about panic attacks usually relate to physical concerns, such as worry that panic attacks reflect the presence of life-threatening illness, such as heart disease or epilepsy. Affected individuals may have social concerns of embarrassment or fear of negative impressions from others because of visible panic symptoms. Agoraphobia as a result of panic symptoms and recurrent unexpected attacks. Affected individuals may develop maladaptive behavior changes that often accelerate the attacks, such as restricting daily activities and avoiding panic-induced places or relationships, like leaving home, using public transportation, or going shopping. These restrictions may lead to agoraphobia, which consists of marked, intense fear or anxiety triggered by real or anticipated exposure to a wide range of social situations. The patient stays home and does not like to leave. Epidemiology. Migraine is an extremely disabled condition and first in frequency of all disabling neurological diseases. Almost 3% of worldwide disability attributable to a specific disease in terms of years lived with a disability is due to migraine. 25% of women and 6% of men have migraine. The overall prevalence rate of migraine is 12%. 40 to 50% of patients living in America with migraine also have anxiety. Persons with migraine may have up to five times more likely to have anxiety than persons who do not. Migraine is a multifactorial disorder which links genetic, hormonal, environmental, dietary, sleep, and psychological aspects differently in each individual. Migraine is a biobehavioral disorder. Panic disorder. Lifetime prevalence relates estimates are 22% for isolated panic attack without agoraphobia, um, 3.7 for panic disorder without agoraphobia, and 1 for panic disorder, 1% for panic disorder with agoraphobia. Important finding is that many people have isolated panic attacks that do not meet the criteria for panic disorder. These people have elevated prevalence of other mental disorders, and they report general impairment, greater use of psychotropic medication, and psychiatric consultation. Panic attacks are thus viewed as fairly nonspecific risk markers for psychopathology. However, all epidemiologic es estimates are likely low because of the fact that, that many patients with panic attacks go to the ER or see a doctor. A clear diagnosis is very commonly not made because few ER medical professors, medical providers do not go through all the 13 panic symptoms to make a certain diagnosis. Genetic link. Migraine is a complicated genetically related neurovascular disorder which clusters in families. Specific genes for hemiplegic migraine have been determined, but for the usual occurring types of migraine, which are migraine without aura and migraine with aura, the best that can be said now is that migraine is a polygenic, polygenic condition. Panic disorder, although the exact genetic structure that relates to panic disorder is unknown, certain genes are associated with the condition, making it occur more commonly in certain families.
Of all the anxiety disorder, panic disorder has the strongest familial clustering and genetic relationships since half or more persons with panic disorder have a family history of panic disorder. Psychiatric disorders such as anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder are also more common in patients of in parents of patients with panic disorder. Sexual preference. Migraine affects 25% of women and 6% of men. Those women have migraine three times more than men. Migraine in the clinic is mainly a female problem. The brain responds differently to environmental internal signals that relate to development of neural systems. Hormonal fluctuations in women may alter the set point of migraine. The cyclic changes of hormones may directly alter neuronal, glial, and astrocyte function throughout the brain. Estrogen is mainly excitatory and progesterone inhibitory on brain neuronal systems. These changes contribute to the migraine condition that most notably starts at puberty in girls. Panic disorder. Women have a greater panic disorder than men. Studies show a 2 to 1 female to male ratio. Some studies suggest women also have more severe panic disorder than men, especially if they also have agoraphobia. Women may have more respiratory choking feelings, faint feelings, while men have more sweating and stomach pain. A theoretical consideration is that the female menstrual cycle with the periods of estrogen hormone dominance alternating with progesterone may have something to do with the increased incidence of panic disorder in women. Progesterone metabolites have anxiolytic effects due to their antagonistic effects on GABA, which are benzodiazepine receptors. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder may have a greater panic response in females. The age affected. Migraine usually starts in teens or early 20s. It's the most common in the 20 to 40 age group. At least 90% of people with migraine experience the first attack before the age of 40. Migraine generally improves with aging, usually after age 50. Panic disorder. The median age development of panic disorder in the United States is years 20 to 24 years old, although a small number of cases begin in childhood. Onset after age 45 is rare. Untreated, the disorder consists of a chronic waxing and waning condition, with some individuals having episodic attacks with years of remission and others experiencing severe continuous illness. A minority of patients have remission without relapse within a few years of onset. The duration of an attack. Migraine. A single migraine attack by definition lasts 4 to 72 hours. This time element gets confusing with over-treatment with painkillers or headache medicine, which may lead into medication of his headache and chronic migraine, so that the headaches occur every day or nearly very nearly every day or very frequently. For migraine without her, the typical onset to peak for an attack is 30 to 120 minutes. For patients with migraine with R, the headache usually comes in 5 to 20 minutes after the aura starts. But some R migraine patients experience their aura in the middle or at the end of the migraine headache. Nocturnal wake-up headaches start during sleep. The patient may wake with a headache attack already at its peak. Uh, occasional migraine patients will have a very quick and intense headache that goes from 0 to 10 in 5 minutes or so. And these patients should be offered the option to treat the headache with subcutaneous sumatriptan, which works in 10 minutes, as opposed to the tablet that works in 30 minutes. Panic disorder. For patients with episodic panic attacks, the onset to the maximum number of symptoms occurs within minutes. 
A single panic attack usually lasts for 30 minutes, but the duration can vary from seconds to hours. Patients with chronic panic disorder may have continuous or half a day or hours of lasting symptoms that may come in revolving waves of intensity. Specific panic symptoms may change from attack to attack, starting with rapid heartbeat and trouble breathing with one attack, and then with numbness and tingling and dizziness with the next. Neurologic workup. Patients with migraine or panic disorder need to have medical tests to rule out possible medical conditions. A normal MRI scan of the brain with or without contrast will usually eliminate concerning brain disease and can be very reassuring to the anxious, to the anxious migraine patient panic patient. Blood work such as a CBC, SED rate, urinalysis, thyroid panel, and electrolytes should be done. An electrocardiogram, cardiology, and neurologic consultations complete the workup. The differential diagnosis. Migraine should be differentiated from tension-type headache, acute rhinosinusitis, or organic brain disease such as a tuber by the history of the workup. Panic disorder. The differential diagnosis of panic disorder is very large and includes a long list I'm going to give you. Acute coronary syndrome, acute pericarditis, acute respiratory distress syndrome, angina and myocardial infarction, dyspnea, chest pain, palpitations, diaphoresis, asthma with dyspnea and wheezing, atrial fibrillation, atrial flutter, carcinoid, cardiac dysrhythmias with palpitations, dyspnea, and syncope, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, congestive failure, Cushing disease, embolism, fibromyalgia, heart failure, Huntington's disease, hyperthyroidism with palpitations, diaphoresis, tachycardia, and heat intolerance, hypoglycemia, hypoparathyroidism with muscle cramps and paresthesia, hyperparathyroidism, illegal drugs like marijuana, cocaine, amphetamines, an insulinoma, Meniere's disease, mitral valve prolapse, migraine, multiple sclerosis, personality disorder, pheochromocytoma, headache and diaphoresis, hypertension, porphyria, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, pulmonary embolus with dyspnea, hyperpnea, and chest pain, multifocal atrial tachycardia, schizophrenia, seizure disorder with trembling and shaking, feeling zoned out, substance abuse, alcohol sedative withdrawal, antidepressants, marijuana, caffeine, uh, cocaine, amphetamines, methylphenidate, steroids, pseudoephedrine, mescaline, hallucinogenic drugs like LSD, supraventricular tachycardia, transient ischemic attacks, TIAs, vestibular disorder with vertigo, Wilson disease, and finally withdrawal from CNS depressants like alcohol or barbiturates. Next, I'm going to present a typical case history of both these conditions. For migraine, here's a new case. A 25-year-old single woman presented with the chief complaint of daily headaches for the past 30 days. She has a previous history of allergies and depression and currently is on treatment with Zoloft. She had a progesterone implant in her arm for contraception. She started having migraines at 12 years old at the same time she started her menstrual cycles, which is called menarche. She reports that at the time, her usual migraine last is seven days. However, using the International Classification of Headache Disorders, 
checklist for diagnosis of migraine should all the features of migraine without aura except nausea. The ICD checklist is migraine without aura, five attacks, headaches last four, 72 hours, headache has at least two of the following characteristics, one-sided, um, throbbing, pulsating, moderate, severe, aggravated by causing avoidance routine activity. During the headache, at least one of the following, nausea, vomiting, um, photophobia, and photophobia. Unusual headaches are level 7 to 10, unusually right-sided and throbbing. The International Classic of Headaches states that migraine headaches may be 5 to 10, while the other frequent type of headache, tension type headache, can only go from mild to moderate, so it goes from 1 to 5. Migraine headaches may be severe. Many patients I see will answer 20 when asked to rate headaches on a scale of 1 to 10. This patient also carries chronic tension in her neck and shoulders, which is a feature of generalized anxiety disorder. Neurochemicals are released by ganglion of the brain during a migraine, and these chemicals are inflammatory, like applying acid to the back of your hand and causing dilatation of cerebral arteries. When blood from the heart pus pulses through this inflamed and dilated artery, it causes the arteries to stretch, and that hurts, resulting in a throbbing or pulsating headache. According to the International Classification of Headache Disorder Diagnosis, tension type headache is described as pressure or tight and is usually a bland, featureless headache. Migraine headaches are usually one-sided and come from the word hemicrania, an early term dating back to Galen. Considering organic or serious symptoms of headache, a headache that switches from side to high side is just what migraine does. So migraine may be right-sided sometimes or left-sided. But a diseased artery with an aneurysm or arteriovenous malformation always gives the same one-sided headache, like a person who always has right-sided headache. So a migraine headache that switches from side to side is a reassuring and benign feature. That's what migraine does. Don't understand that, but that's what it does. This patient also has menstrual headaches, defined as migraine that starts the day of bleeding with a menstrual cycle or two days before bleeding or two days after starting to bleed. She has nocturnal headaches and wake-up headaches. Most all of her menstrual headaches relate to migraine, and menstrual headaches start three weeks into the usual 30-day cycle when bleeding occurs and the internal estrogen level drops. Nocturnal headache has a wide differential diagnosis of other headache causes, including subarachnoid hemorrhage from intracerebral aneurysmal rupture, temporal arteritis, cluster headache, hypnic headache, or brain tumor. However, the most frequent cause of nocturnal headache is migraine. The neurochemicals that come out during migraine wake, make the patient very sensitive to movement or being up, so the typical patient wants to lie down quietly or go to sleep, which will sometimes arise, result in the patient wakening several hours later feeling better. Cluster-type headache patients <clears throat> have to be up and moving around, and they may pace the room. The human brain has a trigger zone for nausea and vomiting in the upper medulla, which may be turned on by the migraine process, and that's why migraine may be called sick headache. The migraine process inflames and irritates the centrocranial nerves, and so hearing, carried by the eighth acoustic nerve, may be inflamed so that mild noises are felt in the head as if painful, and the patient has sonophobia. Likewise, the retinal neurons in the eyes are inflamed so that the light coming in the eye is painful. The patient reflexively closes his eyes and has photophobia. The International Classic of Headache does not list allergy as a causation of headaches. There really is no allergy headache. But depression is linked to migraine about 50% of the time, along with generalized anxiety disorder linked to migraine 40% of the time. The case study we had started with history of depression and menstrual headaches. These may be called migraine links, 
which are associated feature migraine that are alone are not diagnostic, but with a positive ICDH checklist, present a comprehensive review the totality of the migraine syndrome. During sleep, there are usually um, three or four dream events spread out through the night during which time the eyes rapidly move, and this feature can easily be detected during an EEG electroencephalogram by recording electrodes placed near the eyes. During dreaming, the internal autonomic nervous system turns on, the cerebral arteries go into basal spasm, which then is released at the end of the dream, and so the patient may wake up at the end of a dream with a bad migraine. These come deep in the night or many times about two hours before awakening in the morning. For a person who went to sleep at 11 p.m. and usually wakens at 7 a.m., the last dream event may come about 5.30 a.m. The problem is that many patients do not wake up at the start of migraine or are not able to treat early, like with one of the tryptan drugs, which should be taken early in the migraine process. Sleep continues, the migraine process goes on, the chemicals are released, the patient wakes up with a severe headache, which is now in stage four, it's hard to treat. This patient started with a wake-up headache 30 days before I saw her. Such a headache may start a process of taking two medication, which then keeps the headache coming. She also mentioned that her usually migraine headaches last did seven days and that's not consistent with the period of time for a single migraine. So single migraine can last three days, but not seven days. This patient already had a normal CAT scan of the sinuses and MRI brain scan when I met her, and she had a normal neurologic exam. With these reassuring features, I could be very certain that she was over-treating with analgesics and getting medication over his headache and likely short-term chronic migraine, which is defined as 15 headache days a month, eight of which have migraine features. On close inquiry, she admitted to the following medications which she rotated. She took no caffeine, Tylenol, acetaminophen, 500 milligrams. For the past two weeks, she took two or three tablets every day. Fioracet, acetaminophen, caffeine, butalbital. The past three days, she took two a day. Sumatriptan, 100 milligrams for the past three days, one a day. And tramadol for two days, one day. Only 3-4% to 4 of the world population gets medication over its headache, although the incidence of migraine peaks in women at age 42, so that 25% of women have migraine at that age. Not all migraine patients get medication over its headache, and it may be a special genetic feature of certain migraine patients, which has not been defined yet. In general, migraine patients should limit caffeine and over-the-counters and triptans and narcotics to no more than two days a week. They probably will stay free of medication or headache, and they really should never take Fioracet with butalbital or any narcotic like tramadol or hydrocodone. Read my handout on, on my webpage about the migraine lifestyle and medication of headache to get up-to-date information on these subjects. The day I saw this patient, I advised her to stop all painkillers, triptans, narcotics, tramadol, and Fioracet. I asked her to do the migraine lifestyle, start a preventative drug like amitriptyline, two milligrams a night, help her to sleep because she was not sleeping well, to continue her Zoloft, to take a week of prednisone, 20 milligrams three times a day for seven days, and to use Migranol generic DHE nasal spray. Two to four sniff is needed every four to six hours. I have said to call me for problems and return to clinic in seven days. Long range, she might consider use of one of the CGRP prevented drugs like Amavig. Hopefully she'll do well. All right, panic disorder. I have a discussion of a case of that clinical scenario. Bill left work for a stressful day and dropped into a barber he liked a bar he liked to attend. Then after a few beers and talk with the boys, he found himself back in his car, winding his way home through the evening traffic, when all of a sudden his heart pounded so hard and fast that his chest started hurting, and he broke out in a sweat. He felt dizzy and lightheaded, sick at his stomach. 
and then felt numbness and tingling in his left cheek and left hand. He could not get his breath. He pulled off the road with his car and stopped in the parking lot of a strip shopping center. He thought he'd be dying and reduced, was reduced to terror suddenly without cause. Then, almost as quickly as the attack occurred, it faded away. Thinking he'd had a heart attack, Bill rushed to the emergency room, where he was examined and had a normal EKG cast in the head and basic blood work. He was told, quote, everything was all right, end of quote, but could not understand what that can mean. How could he have experienced such symptoms with nothing being wrong? Bill doubted the doctor and the staff of the ER, but was lightly reassured by the normal test. He put out his mind and tried to forget about it, but remembered the spell every time he sat down in his car to drive. What if, during another attack, he could not control the car and he inadvertently, inadvertently plunged into another car or pedestrian on the road? The whole thing made him very nervous. But several days later, he had another attack and then others followed and Bill started worrying a lot that he was losing control of his life and might even be going crazy. He started avoiding social activities like being around other people and developed moodiness, insomnia, and a low energy level. He became even more concerned about driving his car and kept trips to short distances. He, became even, uh, he pretty much quit going out except for work in the grocery store. He quit exercising, although he had already paid for a month at the gym. He just not forced himself back into the car. At this point, Bill's world seemed to shrink, and as he stayed more and more in, he felt like he couldn't drive to work, and his bills piled up, and he quit seeing friends. He got depressed. Eventually, Bill was diagnosed as having panic disorder, and his doctor explained that it resulted from an altered neurochemical imbalance of the brain, which triggered attacks like he'd been having. The doctor reassured Bill's that Bill the attacks were not a sign of mental weakness or personal failure. Instead, they were a sign of the body's alarm mechanism, which prepares to fight or flight was out of order. The doctor assured Bill that even though his intense feelings of losing control or dying could be overwhelming or frightening, that no one had ever died from a panic attack. After a period of treatment and medication and psychological therapy, Bill now lives a more normal life. All right, anxiety versus panic attack. Everyday people like Bill are rushed into emergency rooms with symptoms that might indicate anything from heart disease to asthma. About a third of the time they are experiencing what they're having is a panic attack, an unprovoked explosion of bodily sensations and fear. It's been shown that most panic disorder patients consult physicians other than psychiatrists 10 or more times before their condition <clears throat> is accurately diagnosed. So panic attack is characterized by a sudden brief episode of physical and mental symptoms, which by definition occur spontaneously or out of the blue to differentiate it from anxiety attacks that never occur spontaneously and have always been secondary to a specific reason. For anxiety attacks, the patient should have insight or reason uh, why the event occurred. For example, anxiety would come after a sudden attack with a knife by an assailant who wanted to kill you. There would be an evident reason for the symptoms resulting from such attack. That's not true with panic attacks, which generally are unprovoked, leaving the victim uncertain where all the symptoms came from. Although panic attacks can also come after stressful events, the more majority of them come unprovoked for no reason. With concomitant fear and agoraphic features, uh, repetitive panic attacks can lead to panic disorder. Because seizures and pseudo-seizures are strongly in the differential diagnosis of panic disorder symptoms, these two medical entities 
or described in detail here. So I'm going to talk about the difference between panic attack and seizure. All right, so a common neurologic problem for the doctor is differentiating between a true organic epileptic seizure from a panic attack. These medical problems may occur together or separately alone. Panic attacks may cause trembling or shaking, while epilepsy movements are usually called jerking or twitching, although panic attack patients with hyperventilation may have small, widespread twitching of muscle called fasciculation, which is confusing to the doctor, and the twitching may imitate true minor motor seizures. As always in medicine, a history from a second person witness to the attack is important to obtain and may or may not be helpful. Panic attack patients may experience depolarization or realization, derealization, which is an ultra level of consciousness where they may be zoned out, which can imitate absence or partial complex seizures. Fears associated with some partial complex epileptic seizures can be confused with the fear of dying symptoms of panic attacks. The situation is that true organic epilepsy usually does not have palpitations, a rapid heartbeat, sharpness of breath, chest tightness, fear of losing control, or fear of going crazy. The examiner has to think differentially between panic and epileptic events and ask questions that would separate these two problems. The examiner should always ask the cardinal 13 panic attack defining symptoms and add them up with the checklist. Panic attack patients may black out or faint and fall and possibly hurt themselves or bump their head, whereas true unexpected seizure patients may fall hard and split their scalp needing stitches. The list of partial complex seizure symptoms should also be reviewed with questions asking about a rising sensation from the stomach up to the head, a bad or unusual smell or taste, or the occurrence of the deja vu or jamais vu phenomenon. And as it goes true to say, usually without fail, that patients who bite their tongue hard with incisional tongue lesions present with bleeding scalp cuts that needed stitches urinary or fecal incontinence, a herald cry, and then observed tonic slash clonic jerking, followed by foaming at the mouth, an ictus of five to two minutes, and confusion on recovery are usually not having a panic attack. These patients are experiencing an epileptic seizure. EEG monitoring is the ultimate litmus test here in a patient with an event associated with EEG monitoring or spike and wave activity usually truly defines an epileptic seizure. The problem with this is how much monitoring one should do to find the discharge. A simple 30-minute outpatient EEG, 72 or 24-hour outpatient monitoring, or a week in the EEG e monitoring unit. Insurance coverage and patient accepting factor comes into the sort of workup. The other disorder to discuss in this regard would be psychogenic neuro non-epileptic seizures, that is abbreviated now as PNES versus a panic attack. PNES are non-epileptic events which may resemble an epileptic seizure without the electrical discharges found with epilepsy. Patient with PNES may or might not have obvious psychological clinical symptoms. Approximately 30% of patients seen at specialist epileptic clinics have PNES. The symptoms of PNES are not definite and often mimic seizures. There may be vague thrashing, non-organic trembling and shaking, pelvic thrusting, or arc de circle in which the patient may arch their body backward until their shoulders approach their heels. PNES patients may bite the tip of their tongue, which is rare in epilepsy. They may have motor movement or jerking lasting more than two minutes. They may close their eyes during the spells or move their head from side to side. 
PNES patients resist forceful eye-opening during the spell or when lying on a gurney unconscious may voluntarily control their arms so it does not hit their own face when dropped by an examiner. There's usually a strong psychogenic pattern to these patients with associated conversion reaction, and the differential diagnosis includes syncope, stroke, frontal lobe seizures, factitious disorder, stimulating, simulating seizures intentionally for psychological reasons, or malingering, which is simulating seizures for secondary gains, such as compensation, or avoidance of civil or criminal legal punishment. The best way to distinguish epilepsy from PNES is long-term video EEG monitoring with the aim of capturing one or more episodes with digital photography and simultaneous EEG monitoring, which should be at the same time as the event normal. PNES patients may be called non-epileptic attack disorders, functional seizures, psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, or pseudo-seizures. Prognosis. Prognosis is directly related to patient compliance and appropriate medical treatment. So for migraine, we now have a very competent acute therapy and chronic treatment drugs that the patient may pursue. You can treat with tryptans such as sumatriptan. The onset of migraine produces a pain-free state for 80% of patients in two hours. And the new CGRP drugs for migraine prevention, such as Amavig, which is delivered by subcutaneous injection once a month, can reduce migraine attacks to 50% in half of patients, 75% in a quarter of patients, and 100% another quarter. Panic disorder may be treated by psychiatric consultation and the judicious as needed short-term use of one of the benzodiabetes drugs such as Xanax or Clonopin. The patient may be treated with one of the selective serotonin receptor inhibitor drugs such as Lexapro, given for chronic treatment as once a day. The patient should be instructed in and do cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a non-drug treatment helpful for anxiety. So in the discussion, here's a long talk on migraine uh, if, or migraine panic disorder related, and they certainly are, as I've discussed. Uh, please look on YouTube and stay with the system for a bunch of other articles that I've given. Um, please click subscribe down there, and God bless all you patients that have had migraine and panic disorder. I'll see you again on the next talk. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.